Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt Keys, and I have a special guest with me today to help me kick off my podcast. Uh, his name is Aaron Westlake. He's a good friend of mine. Aaron is currently the Director of Operations for the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. He recently took on that role after excelling as a Senior Tournament Director. Aaron has also worked with the AJGA and with the IMG Academy Golf Program. I actually met Aaron while I was at IMG. He's a great friend of mine. He's an expert in the junior golf tournament arena. So I'm really excited to have Aaron as a guest to bring you all some valuable information about junior golf tournaments and the HJGT. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining just wanted to uh, introduce a, a buddy of mine. Um, like I said, Aaron is currently the director of operations for the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. Um, super excited to have him on. Aaron's a, Aaron's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we used to work together a little bit, still keeping in really good touch and uh, excited to have him on. So, Aaron, how's it going? Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. We've been uh, chatting about this for a while now, so excited to uh, to get it going here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just want to kind of dive in. So, just want to, you know, if you could just kind of kick us off. Who is Aaron Westlake? Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about college at all, or you know, kind of how you got started in golf. I know you did an internship with the AJGA. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I would say I probably, for most people, have a different background um, uh, coming into the, the golf world. Um, I kind of fell into it, I guess. Um, so I was in college, uh, sports management major at Lockhaven University in Pennsylvania. Uh, grew up in a small town. Never played a round of golf, I would say, until my college years. And, um, you know, I knew I wanted to be involved in like a team aspect, player operations, um, you know, event management. There was a lot of things going on. Just wasn't sure where I wanted to to specify. And and so I applied for the best internships that there were out there. And um, the AJGA brought me on for a spring internship. And that's where I was introduced uh, to the game of golf. I mean, going into the internship, I couldn't even tell you what a provisional ball was. Yeah. And, you know, I learned pretty quickly. And so, um yeah, I fell in love with the game of golf uh, with that internship, and I haven't left since. Um, after the, the internship with AJJ in 2012, I then moved on to uh, working at IMG Academy, as you know, uh, where, where we worked together yep. um, from 2014 to 2018. I was the uh, tournament coordinator um, for the kids there in the golf program, and then in uh, 2018, at the beginning, I moved over to Hurricane Junior Golf Tour, kind of just wanted to grow my knowledge and how to operate a tournament and how to run a tournament and uh, just learn more about the business side, um, which has uh, allowed me to progress my career to the director of operations um, where I now oversee uh, most of our tournaments and manage most of our tournaments. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to, I want to dive into that a little bit more just in terms of like your actual role, but let's go back to your, your AJGA internship. Um, what was that like? Like, what is it, what is life like as an AJGA 
intern. And, and for those of you that don't know, uh, the AJGA stands for the American Junior Golf Association, which uh, we'll talk a little bit more about um, later when we start talking about some different tournaments and stuff like that. But what's life as an AJGA intern? Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty good life. Um, being an intern, you know, at some companies is not easy. Um, you know, sometimes you're told to fetch coffee or whatever. Uh, this internship was not like that. Um, you, you learn pretty quickly what your job was and, and how to do it. And so, uh, when you first get there, you know, you go through a week of training, you learn, um, about tournament operations. So you're learning the rules, you're learning how to simple things, how to set tees, you're learning, um, how to get yardages, how to pick whole locations for each of the greens for each of the days of the event. Um, you kind of just learn the ins and outs. I mean, you learn basically learn everything but how to play golf. So I was still <laughs> still struggling a little bit. In You're that, still searching uh, for that, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but now you learn you learn everything. It was a great internship. You basically roam city to city each week. So you know you have a, a day that you travel, um, and then a day that you uh, set up for the tournament, and then you help run the tournament. Um, and then the next week you start all over, you travel again to the next city and set up, run a tournament. And so that was for a full semester. It was uh, honestly some of the best times um, that I've had. And you, know, you get to see the country, obviously, you get to meet a lot of great people, um, you know, see a lot of great courses, um, watch a lot of good golf, too. So overall, it was, uh, it was a great internship. Nice. You still keep in touch with a lot of those people? Uh, yeah, some of them. And, you know, it's crazy. The golf world is, is not that big at all. And so you, you meet people who, you know, you, you have a lot of mutual friends. And um, so it's, it's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it definitely set me up for my career. So I'm, I'm nice. very thankful for it. That's cool. So then obviously, you know, we met at, at IMG. Um, you know, I was helping to recruit some players and you were, you know, spinning a lot of plates while we were there but um you know main focus was you know helping everybody get uh coordinated with tournaments and scheduling and uh setting up travel and getting people registered those types of things I mean you kept a pretty even keel I know you had a lot on your plate when we were there um but I mean is this some things that maybe I didn't see or you know can you kind of talk a little bit about like what you did there in that role just to kind of give you know, some of the parents that are listening out there and some of the kids, just an idea of, you know, what it takes to kind of plan their own schedules. Yeah, of course. So, you know, in that program, we had what, 150 kids yeah. average, right. Um, mm -hmm. that were specifically playing golf, not all of them playing tournaments, of course, but all of them, in the golf program that you, um, you know, I, I helped cater to with whatever they needed. Um, as you know, I was sitting there at the, the front desk and so I'd help them whether, you know, help them with anything in where they were staying in the, um, in the, uh, apartments or whatever. Um, you know, whether it was a cafe talking about food or going to the gym, their schedules, you know, we, um, we talked a lot with those kids. Uh, I grew a, a pretty good relationship with some of them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a parent, um, you have to, when you're thinking about a tournament, you obviously have to look ahead, make sure that you make deadlines when you're registering the kids. Um, you have to book your travel, right? Whether it's hotel, a car, a flight, uh, a bus, whatever it might be, you got to book the travel. Yep. Um, the practice rounds, you're looking at practice rounds, making sure you're playing the right course, maybe. Um, Cause some, you know, some courses have multiple um, tracks there. And then um, yeah, you're just, 
so basically I was doing that for 150 kids. Right? <laughs> I didn't just have one kid to focus on. I had 150. So right. tough task, obviously, uh, keeping organized was huge in that position, but, yeah. um, definitely kept me busy. But like I said, it was, uh, it was great, uh, building the relationships with each of them. You got to, you got to learn, um, you know, about each kid a little bit more. Um, so some things you didn't see was like rooming certain people together so they could have a good weekend and make sure they didn't have other distractions and right. um, just some, some other things like that. Okay. Okay. What about like, you know, you talk about hotels and, and booking and assigning rooms and stuff like that. I mean, do most of these tournaments have, you know, a hotel that most of the players stay at or like, how does that typically work? Yeah, so that is a big thing that um, some tours or some tournaments will do, which helps out families uh, a lot because, um, as you know, golf is not uh, the cheapest sport. So um, when it comes to saving money when you can, that's definitely something families are looking into. And and hotels is uh, definitely one of the areas where you can save some money. Um, So most tours or most tournaments will have a host hotel set up. They set up a room block for a discounted rate. And it just makes it easy for families to look online um, to check that out. So that's something we definitely utilized uh, for for how much travel, you know, obviously if you're only traveling once or or twice a semester, it's, you know, not as big of a deal, but some of these families are traveling every weekend, um, you know, if not uh, two or three weekends out of the month. So definitely it adds up. And so finding these host hotels helps. Yeah. Yeah. It does add up for sure. And you talk about, practice rounds and hotels and travel and equipment. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of kids spend a lot of money on equipment over the past few years. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of opportunities out there to, to burn a bunch of money in the junior golf world. So yeah, anything you can do to kind of minimize those expenses, um, you know, is helpful. So, um, cool, man. Well, I appreciate that. Um, let's jump into the hurricane tour. So, you went, you left from IMG, you went to the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour um, as a tournament director. Uh, then you were promoted to a senior tournament director. Now you're in the director of operations role. So um, how long have you been there at the Hurricane Tour at this point? Yeah, so I started in February of 2018. So okay. what is that, about uh, 14, 15 or so months? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're you're doing something right uh, to have – you know, three positions in 18 months and, you know, climbing up the ladder. What's, uh, what's going on at the hurricane junior golf tour right now and specifically your role. I mean, just as the director of operations. Yeah. So, I mean, we even tell interns coming in and, you know, it's not only full-time staff, but interns coming in, it's all about, you know, one of the things that's all about is having the right attitude. Like, I came in willing to learn, right? Uh, I came in with a positive attitude. Um, You know, I was just willing to knock out any task that was thrown my way. Um, You know, I was told right from the beginning, you might have something that is put on your plate that might not be in your job description. And you just, you know, you accept that. And so um, that's definitely just something that I keep in mind. Uh, I'm willing to help with whatever. And so as I went along and I helped out in different areas, when things moved around and things changed, I was, you know, I was that person right there, you know, to, to step in and fill that position. So that's, uh, that's definitely helped me uh, all along. But um, 
so that's helped me get to the position that I'm in now. Um, very thankful for all the uh, experience that I've learned so far. But yeah, we have a lot of things going on at Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. Um, you know, I think we might be the only ones who do the uh, the Division Ambassador Program. So that's pretty cool. Um, so a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, we have six different age divisions, and each age division has a Division Ambassador. So. Um, we give the opportunity to these players um, to meet their division ambassador throughout the year. And we give two opportunities. One is at the summer world championship, which just took place uh, two weeks ago okay. at uh, orange County national Orlando. So winners of that event in each division got to go and meet their division ambassador. Obviously that get, has to, to be set up, but um, and then the year end points leader of each division gets to meet their division ambassador. So okay. it's uh it's something pretty cool that we do. Um, another thing is we have uh, the phones. We have no more paper scorecards. We've gone totally green and everything is on the phone. So each player we provide with a cell phone um, that's obviously locked down. They can't go to the internet or, or <laughs> phone, phone a friend for a yardage or anything. Um, no IGTV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely none of that. But um, so yeah, everything we've basically created this app by ourselves with the help of ShotSet. And okay. um, yeah, they have scoring on there. They have the pace of play on there, which we'll talk more about. I'm sure we have uh, hole locations. We have the notice to competitors. Um, you can call the tournament director or text the tournament director right from the app. So it's okay. It's pretty cool technology, and like I said, I, I believe we're the only ones to do it at this uh, at this rate. I guess that's awesome. I want to go in more into that, but can you jump back to the division ambassadors for a second? Like, who are they? And, and... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, for Tiger Woods, uh, the boys sixteen to eighteen, we have Tiger Woods. Okay, um, so that's obviously our our top name. Um, and then uh, boys fourteen to fifteen, we have Will Smith. Um, so Will is a big, uh, golf advocate, obviously. Uh, and this all came together with the, uh, with the Nexus, uh, company, their uh, hospitality management group. Um, we met them a while back and kind of formed this relationship. Um, so Will Smith is involved. Justin Timberlake is involved. He's the girls 14, 18. Um, we have, uh, Justin Rose, the girls U13. Um, we have Ernie Els, the boys 11 to 13. And then we have Bryson DeChambeau, who's the boys U10. So awesome. six different, so yeah, six different uh, division ambassadors there. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see uh, all those people get involved with junior golf. And obviously they want to they help and watch it grow and do what they can do to play a small part in that. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're talking a little bit about the phones. I mean, how – what's the feedback been from the players? I mean, are they really utilizing it? I know you mentioned, you know, calling the tournament director. I'm assuming that's probably rules related or they need some type of ruling. Um, they can touch base there while they're out on the course or he talk a little bit about kind of the feedback from the players. I've seen some like interviews that you guys do with players, you know, after the rounds and stuff like that, just to talk about this type of stuff and, you know, get some live feedback from them. So it seems like it's been pretty positive. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's been great, um, not only for, for tournament directors, um, but for parents. I mean, think of it from a parent's uh, standpoint. They can now – it's live scoring, right? So as soon as they enter that score, it, um, it pops up to the leaderboard. So they have live scoring just like a PGA Tour tournament. So uh, families from home, 
um, that, that didn't make it out to the event or, you know, even parents just walking along, they can follow along right then and there. So that's, that's one of the cooler parts for sure. Um, you know, the kids love it because when kids show up to a tournament, they get a paper scorecard, they get a paper with all their whole locations, they get a paper with the notice to competitors. What do they do half the time? They take that paper, they crumple it up, throw it in their bag, they put the scorecard <laughs> on. Like they have, they don't even look at it. So right. um, with all this information right directly on the phone, right in their fingertips, and they literally just swipe to the right or swipe to the left, like it makes it so much easier for them to access this information. Right. Yeah. They're um, no strangers. I mean, I know that, uh, I think I had my first cell phone when I was 16. So, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of these kids are getting them in their single digit years. So uh, they're no stranger to a, to a handheld device. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, the younger kids, especially boys, you 10, like we, we have eight, nine, 10 year olds out playing events and they have no problem using the phones. That's how easy it is. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool for sure. That's um, awesome. But some of the, some of the cooler things that people don't see is, you know, we have a, a scoring discrepancy notification. So, you know, say I'm scoring for you and I put you in for a four on hole number two, and you put me in, uh, or you put yourself in for a three, uh, a notification will pop up right then and there. And it says scoring discrepancy on hole number two. And then you, so this makes the kids it like, they shouldn't force them to go to the next hole without figuring it out, basically. Ah, um, okay. So it's pretty cool versus, you know, most of the time they get into scoring, they forget, you know, oh, did I hit it left on number two or did I hit it right? I can't remember where the second shot went. Right. And it kind of just can, can turn into a mess sometimes. So that's another pretty cool feature. Yeah, so it's just a way to make them more conscious of making sure they're on the same page before they move forward and play the next hole. Yeah, exactly. Good deal. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, in your role as the director of operations, I mean, are you overseeing a team of people that are out there at the events on a weekly basis or like, what does your kind of day to day look like? Uh, I'm sure you're, you know, pretty busy, but um, you know, what does that look like, you know, from a day to day? Yeah. So, you know, as a whole, I'm, I'm overseeing um, my tournament directors who go out to the events and run the events with their interns. Um, so um, like I said, 285 events per year, as you can imagine, that's a, wow. it's a pretty busy schedule for us. Um, especially during the summer, we're starting to wind down now, but, uh, in the summer we'll have multiple events per week. So, um, that gets me, uh, out, out into the field a little bit, but, um, right. um, yeah, so for the most part, you know, I'm just making sure that my tournament directors are, um, you know, all on the same page uh, with with travel. There's obviously a lot of travel going on as our events do cover the whole entire United States. Um, I think we're in uh, almost 30 states right now. So wow. uh, just overseeing kind of their travel, uh, making sure they have everything that they need. I'm just trying to set them up for success as far as, you know, staff goes, Um you know, make sure communication with the, the course, uh, everything is accurate. And then I'm kind of bridging as well um, the tournament directors to the players, um, okay. making sure that the, the players have all the information they need, whether it's on the website or whether we're sending out info. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, but uh, it's a lot of fun that keeps me, uh, keeps me engaged and I'm learning new things every day. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um what about, so, I mean, you talk about, you know, 
the season a little bit. Can you give us some more details on that and then kind of, you know, go into like do all of your tournaments support every age group that you guys um, have or, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. So our, our season is um, January to December. Um, we basically, we travel where the weather travels, right? So yep. um, when it's January, February, and March, you know, we won't be in the Northeast. We'll basically just be in the, in the Southeast. So we'll be in, you know, Florida, Georgia, um, South Carolina. We'll kind of stay in those states um, during that, you know, December, sometimes November, uh, to February. And then once the, the weather starts to pick up in the north, you know, we'll gradually move north. Um, so that's kind of how our locations work. Um, but like I said, um, most of our events are, are just uh, standard open events. Um, players will compete uh, for that, you know, meeting that chance to meet the division ambassador at the end of the season. Okay. Um, depending on, you know, the location and maybe the season, um, you know, some players take uh, the course into consideration will depend on uh, the size of the field. So some tournaments, we may not get uh, as many in a certain division as others, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of variables that go into that as always. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, it definitely sounds like you're busy. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, a lot on your plate and, you know, a lot that you're overseeing with that many events annually. So uh you know, I'm sure uh, you definitely got a full plate there. So it's exciting, but I'm sure, uh, you know, there's some stress that comes with that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's all about, I, I mean, when we're out here at these events and, um, you know, sometimes we, we may get uh, frustrated with a parent who is, um, you know, chatting with the players too much or, or something like that. It's, yeah. We just have to remember, like we're providing these opportunities for these kids and it's, it's all about the kids. Um, so uh, I think some people forget that, but I just like to, uh, to keep that in the back of my mind when I'm, when I'm out uh, running events or, you yeah. know, whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a great point. Cause you know, I, I think, and you know, I believe that just the game of golf in general, um, you know, can create, like you said, so many opportunities and, you know, opportunities to compete, um, you know, and get out there and, you know, play some good golf courses, but opportunities to learn, um, you know, learn different lessons, you know, golf's a tough game. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think some of these junior players and their families, you know, can take away um, from these tournaments and the tournament setting and playing in competition and, you know, those types of things that can be, you know, lessons for further down the road in life too. So, Absolutely. And to add on to that, I mean, I can't tell you how many times after a round in scoring I'm there and you have players exchanging uh, Snapchats or uh, Instagram and, you know, they build these relationships with their with their players that they're playing with and become friends. And then two weeks later, they're at the same tournament again and you see them chatting. And so it's it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, it is. I remember, I mean, when I was at IMG with you, you know, that was a really neat aspect of it. It's cool to see you know, how many different relationships are formed. And, you know, you talk about like, you know, the guys on tour, you look at that whole group of like, you know, the JTs and the Spieths and, you know, Ricky and, you know, all those guys that hang out together now. I mean, they started those relationships when they were kids. Uh, yeah, that's through exactly golf. right. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. So I'm sure we'll be seeing, you know, I'm sure down the road too, you'll recognize some of those names at some point. Um, you know, remember that, 
I mean, you might even remember those two meeting, who knows, one day, you know, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah, to it think is. about. Yeah, it is. Cool, man. Um, let's jump a little bit into, like, just there's so many golf tournaments out there. There's several different tours out there. We've obviously got the Hurricane Tour. We've got the AJGA, the IMG Junior Golf Tour, uh, the IJGT golf week. There's a lot of different invitationals that are out there. The USGA has a couple of events, um, that they do like the U S junior. Um, let's just kind of talk a little bit about, I mean, I know that you had a ton of insight into all of these different tournaments when you were the tournament coordinator at IMG. Um, I know you're a little bit more laser focused now on hurricane, but I don't know if you can kind of dig back in the memory bank a little bit and just kind of talk about, you know, some of these different tournaments and their and their footprints and you know how the prices vary you know from tour to tour and you know some of these events um you know there's certain status that's required you know in order to get into the events i know you mentioned that you know the hurricane tour um has a lot of open events where you can you know apply and and get in and pay your entry fee and play but you know can you give us any insight on that in terms of, you know, just the different tours out there, there's a lot of different opportunities to play and, you know, kind of the, maybe some differences in locations and prices and status and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you said, um, you know, uh, a couple of these tours, uh, in most of them, I guess I would say are, uh, open. So you don't need a certain handicap. Um, you don't have to provide a resume, uh, anything like that. So, um, that's where it comes to, you know, providing, providing the opportunity, um, local tours, right. They, they probably won't, um, have a certain handicap where you have to apply to play a tournament or anything like that. So, um, that's the first thing is, is looking when you're looking to come play a tournament is what, what do you need to do to get in? Right. Yeah. Obviously there's going to be a price there. Um, and that comes down to what does this tournament get me? All right. So that's what I think most players are looking at when they go out to play tournaments is what, what is, what am I going to get out of this tournament? Is it an exemption to a bigger tournament? Um, do I just get points for the tour? Um, so for example, uh, I believe some of the AJGA tournaments they have, uh, you know, if you, if you were to win a tournament, you got an exemption to like the ANA, I think they give an exemption to an LPGA tournament. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, it just, it all depends on, um, you know, like I said, what, what is that tournament going to get me? Um, uh, obviously your locations, uh, have a lot to do with it. Um, Hurricane and AJGA are, are pretty national. So they're, uh, they cover quite a few States. Whereas, yeah, I believe like IMG, uh, golf week, IJGT, um, they don't cover as many States. They're still in a, a pretty good region, but, um, and then courses, I mean, everyone wants to get on the, the best courses, right? So sure. I think that's what most tours are trying to provide is uh, a place where players want to come play, right? So um, for example, Hurricane, we just played at uh, the Blue Monster down at Doral this past weekend. Um, oh, so, wow. You know, we that's a pretty good to, test uh, of golf. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, uh, like I said, it's, you know, people are trying to play the best courses. They're trying to uh, see what makes the most sense for them. Um, and like I said, what, what does that tournament offer? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. What, what would you say is like an average 
price? I know it varies, you know, but like, you know, what does it cost to play in some of these tournaments? Because the costs can add up. And, you know, these families are talking about budgeting for summer tournaments or tournaments throughout the year. I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, I would say most of your tournaments are going to be in the 200 range, if I were to say. Um, You know, some of your local tours are going to be less than 200 for sure. But then again, um, you know, you might not be rewarded as much, right? Sure. Um, most of uh, most of the tournaments I say would be in that 250 to 300 range. And then when you come to like invitationals that, uh, you know, you'll have maybe a lot of status. You need a lot of status to get in or um, you'll get a lot of status if you finish well. Um, those tournaments are probably going to be more in the three to 400 range, which is uh, obviously pretty pretty pricey but sure. um yeah, but it's like just said, cost it's, cost per value right i mean it's exactly yeah so i mean you're paying more to have the opportunity to you know junior rankings is a big thing we haven't really got into that yet but um you know a lot of players are looking to establish a ranking and uh especially from a college recruiting perspective i know that i had a lot of conversations with families and with some college coaches when when i was at img and just talking about you know, ways to get noticed. And, you know, one of the ways to get noticed, not the only way, but one of the ways is to obviously play well and establish a good ranking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, college coaches scour the rankings, whether it be the, you know, AJGA Rolex rankings or the rankings on juniorgolfscoreboard.com. So, you know, there's, there's, I guess, a premium price on those events that are give you the opportunity to, to earn higher status. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just just to go into the rankings a little bit, I as you mentioned, the AJJ, the Rolex is probably one of the top ones that most coaches look at. Um, you know, just because the AJJ does have a, a certain status you need, and so some of the um, players who who have that status and can you know, you look at your top players, they're playing uh, those AJJ events, and so. Coach is obviously going to go to that. Um, we also have junior golf scoreboard. Um, so for us, um, we have if if five players or more finish uh, an event in a certain division, then uh, that event would be junior golf scoreboard ranked. And so we send those results over to them. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty cool. It's um, knowing that they're on board. And um, we like I said, we we post those results over there and, and any other local tours, you know, there's a couple other ones that, uh, that have rankings as well that uh, are, are trying to, you know, like I said, just get the players out there and, and help get them recognized by those college coaches uh, or whatever they want to do at the next step. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's a big piece of it. The whole, you know, college recruiting process and, uh, you know, getting noticed by coaches is such a big thing. I've actually got a couple – uh, coaches that are going to join me on here at some point and just kind of dive into that a little bit and what they look for in players and, you know, where they find players and different stuff like that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, putting good scores on the board, I think is going to be a common denominator um, that's going to, to get you the most attention. Um, but, you know, there's also an aspect of, you know, making sure you're playing against a strong field. So that's something to to think about, you know, when you're playing and, um, you know, it's one thing to go win a tournament that doesn't have a ton of stellar competition. Uh, another thing to go out there and, you know, win something like the U.S. Junior, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of different 
I guess, levels uh, of competition within the junior golf space. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's jump into junior golf scoreboard. Well, not necessarily junior golf scoreboard, but I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about where do you find these tournaments? I mean, obviously, if you know about the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour, you can go to the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour website. I'm assuming you guys have a, a list and a schedule and you can apply straight there through the website. But um, I also know that Junior Golf Scoreboard has a function where you can go in and, and filter out different events. And it tells you, you know, I think you can even filter out by month, uh, by region, you know, some different stuff like that to really start to pinpoint, you know, where you're going to play and, you know, how much you want to spend and what type of ranking status and different stuff like that is involved with the events. I mean, can you give any insight on that stuff? Yeah. Um, I, I would say junior golf scoreboard has to be one of the best out there at finding uh, tournaments coming up. Um, like you said, you can filter it uh, pretty easily to um, what region. So, you know, say you're going to be going on vacation to uh, Florida in uh you know in december it's uh it's pretty easy to get on there and search for um those tournaments on there in a in a specific state in a specific month um it's great it really it pulls up any tournament and any tour um that would be junior golf school board ranked so um pretty easy but um yeah i I would honestly say that's the best way from from what i've seen um and then going to those certain if you know certain tours are in that area, looking them up, uh, obviously it's pretty easy to find those schedules on their each specific tournament's website. But Junior Golf Scoreboard does a great job of of providing the tournaments uh, in that area and, and, like I said, those specific dates. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good resource. Um, you know, I've used it a bunch too, just out of curiosity, looking at different events and following certain players and different stuff like that. So, uh, junior golf scoreboard is definitely a good resource when it comes to junior golf. Um, let's see anything that you would add to just the conversation about rankings or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I think just doing, just doing your homework before you go into an event um, and just making sure that you're not, you know, wasting your time, I guess, wasting your money. So, uh, don't go to an event if, you know, it's not going to be ranked. Um, yep. For example, you know, you can see the player field, uh, you know, days in advance for most tours, most tournaments. And, um, you know, if there's a certain requirement of, of how many players you need to have in a division for it to be ranked and it doesn't meet that requirement, uh, you know, unless you just need to post some scores, I, I probably wouldn't bother going and playing that event if you're looking for specific rankings, you know what I mean? So sure. just, just make sure you do your homework. Uh, just make sure that that event will 100% be ranked before you go play it. Um, it it's, it stinks when, you know, some players come out to, to our events and have, you know, shoot 72, 66, but there might have only been, um, you know, three players in the field or something, you know, and, and we can't post those results. So right. Right. Now that makes um, sense. That's good advice. Yeah, it's tough. So yeah, just, just do your homework. At, and if you don't know, I mean, just call the tour and, or call the ranking and just be like, Hey, I just had a quick question. And sure. um, that way, you know, 100%, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. All right. Hot topic. Let's, uh, 
let's talk a little bit about pace of play. So um, it's been a hot topic on tour, obviously, the past couple weeks. I think uh, I think the Internet's won the meme game over the past couple weeks. With uh, <laughs> so It's been of, pretty good. Yeah, it has been pretty good. Um, you know, just some of the um, – you know, some of the players out there and, you know, obviously I'm not uh, here to toss anybody under the bus, but, you know, even I saw Bryson in a, in a video today, uh, <laughs> you know, just talking about, you know, pace of play and stuff like that. I think he's, I think he's kind of owned it. You know, he's been, you know, uh, pegged as, you know, one of the players on tour and, you know, there's several out there for sure. Um, but I think, you know, he's kind of been, a, a common name that's come up recently with, you know, the pace of play topic. And yeah, I think he's owned it. I think he's tried to, uh, I think he's admitted to it a little bit and, you know, he wants to continue to, to grow the game and do the right thing and, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, also wants to be himself, but um, you know, let's just talk about pace of play in the junior golf space. Cause I mean, that's where it starts, right. Um, you know, you start building habits, you know, when you're younger and, um, you know, what types of things do you guys do to encourage, um, not fast play because you don't want people out there, you know, being reckless and, you know, not, you know, having adequate time to plan their shots and play the holes. But at the same time, you know, um, there should be a, a time frame, uh, to be able to play a hole and play around and stuff like that. So, I mean, what, what can you give us there? Well, to to start off, I mean, if you have a video of you taking two minutes and twenty one seconds to hit a putt, I mean, you better own up to that. And say you're a slow player. <laughs> There's no hiding I, from that one. Ah, uh, that's crazy. I mean, as a tournament administrator, as a parent, I mean, that's it can. I I would say from what I've seen, tournaments that have great pace of play, you always have happy customers. So sure. Um, there's a lot of things that go into pace of play, right? And if you break it down, um, a round should take a certain amount of time. Um, for us, we, we always look at rounds to take four hours and 40 minutes, right? So that's the round. You break that down, each hole has a certain time you have to finish, right? Um, you know, for par fours, it's typically 15 minutes. Right. For uh, par threes, it's typically 14 minutes. And for par fives, it's typically uh, 17 minutes. Um, so, and then that breaks down to each player has 40 seconds to, um, once they get up to their ball, they looked what they need to do and they hit the shot 40 seconds. So that's kind of how it all breaks down. Um, and like I said, when you see these guys taking, <laughs> uh, so long, it, it's tough. As you know, when juniors are watching these, these players on TV, they want to do everything they do. They want to wear everything that they're wearing. For sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And and that goes to pace of play, and so it's it's uh it's tough if you see the tour players doing it. But um, you know, some of the things that we've we've done uh, to to help this is I mentioned it earlier with the phones. So yeah, on the phones when the players finish the hole, um, we have it in there so it updates what their pace is. It'll literally tell them minutes ahead or minutes behind. Oh, that's so, neat. Yeah, they, they know exactly where they stand. So there's no, no argument there, I guess, of, of whether they know they're, they're ahead or behind. Sure, um, sure. I think there's, you know, some confusion of um, what does being in position mean, right? So we ask the players to be either under time par 
and in position or if they are um, over time par, right? So that means that they are, you know, not within that time allotted, um, that they are in position. So what does that mean? And I think explaining that, uh, we, we try to do our best to explain that on the first tee when we get these players started. Okay. So uh, we even put out signs at some events that say, um, can you see the group ahead of you? If no, you are out of position. <laughs> if yes, you are fine. That's pretty um, straightforward, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the general rule is if you're on a par four, if you're on the tee box and you can see the group ahead of you, then you're fine. If you cannot, then that's a problem. That's what we call out of position. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we try not to get down these players' backs too much. We just try to, we try to teach them. You know, we're not trying to rush your shot. Right. We're trying to speed up everything in between. Yeah, no, that's a good so. point, actually. I mean, it sounds like you guys are trying to really simplify it. I guess. I mean, simplify it, but also, you know, there's a purpose to it. Right. And it kind of reminds me of um, just on the topic with the tour. I, I think I saw something where Brooks uh, said he's, he made a comment around um, oh, what did he say? He said something about like, you know, what I don't understand is, you know, they get up to the ball. They haven't even put their gloves on, you know, when they, after I've hit, you know, like some of those yeah. little things like you're talking about, like, you know, get your yardage, put your glove on, you know, pick your line, yeah. like some of those things that you can do while the other person's hitting their shot um, can help, you know, move that pace of play along. Yeah, exactly. We even talked to caddies, uh, parents about, you know, placing the push cart um, for their son or daughter in the right position to help them save time. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, parking it so it's on the way out of the green to the next hole versus all the way back in the, you know, towards the fairway. So right. just little things like that. Um, some people just, you know, they just don't know. And so it's they just need to be um, taught a few lessons and, and hopefully they, they pick it up and, you know, other p- people pick it up as well. Yeah, I know that like with the AJGA, I don't know if they still do this or not or if you guys do this, but encouraging like the first person that holds holes out to move to the next tee. Right. Yeah. So we, we do that sometimes. Um, we typically play in threesomes. And so threesomes, you usually don't uh, have too bad of, of pace of play. Sure. Um, when we do play in foursomes though, we do kind of encourage that. Um, one thing you have to be super careful of is just scoring discrepancies. Right. Um, right. You know, obviously a player walks away and, and doesn't get the correct score or whatever it might be. So yeah, uh, we don't encourage that when we play in threesomes, but uh, foursomes, it's definitely something that you, you just have to do. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's tough, but um, like I said, we, we don't try to rush the shots. Uh, we just try to uh, keep them moving. And, and another thing is ready golf. What does ready golf mean? Right. Right. Um, most of these players, they see the tour players, it's whoever scored the lowest on the last hole gets a tee off first. And then, whoever's furthest away has to hit first, mm-hmm. you know, at, at our events, we encourage ready golf. So whoever's ready to play um, and, you know, is ready to hit the ball should hit the ball versus, you know, waiting for someone. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what about practice rounds? Just real quick. We'll wrap this topic up, but I think it was last year, maybe the year before AJGA moved to only allowing, players that are playing in their tournaments to play one ball during the practice rounds. Do you guys do anything similar like that? 
Um, so we actually, the, the players and the families will uh, individually book their practice rounds. Um, we don't have anything set up for them at most of our events. Okay. So uh, we really don't oversee that at all. It's probably more of uh, the course's discretion on that, which obviously they're going to prefer one one ball. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's fair as well. Uh, maybe when you get up to the green, you can hit a, a couple putts to a couple of different areas. But I, for the most part, I, I think it's pretty fair for you to play one ball during a practice round. I mean, yeah. Uh, you're just hitting it and you're seeing, you know, whereabouts you need to land. And like I said, you go up to the green, maybe learn the green a little bit and then move on. Sure. Yeah, and I've played practice rounds myself. And I mean, you know, I used to even, if I hit a tee ball out there, you know, I don't need to hit three balls off the tee, right? If I didn't hit my first one in the spot that I want to in the tournament. But what I could do, keeping in mind, just playing one ball. I mean, I can go up there. I could hit my ball. Maybe it's not in the spot that I want it to be in, but I could just pick it up maybe and just drop it you know, in that spot that I want to play from in the tournament, because in a practice round, you know, you're not necessarily playing for score, you know, some kids go out there and play for a score, but you know, the idea of a practice round is to prepare for the actual event. So, um, you know, I've done that before where I've said, you know, didn't hit a good one there. I'm going to hit it here tomorrow in the tournament. So this is where I'm going to hit my approach shot from in the practice round. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, it's it's crazy how many times I hear, um, you know, during the weekend, yeah, my kid shot uh, 66 here during the practice round. It's like, <laughs> right. why are they hitting it towards the current pins on that day versus, right. you know, the pins that are going to be set up for the tournament? So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into a practice round, and, you know, none of it should be focused on your current score during that practice round. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. I just got a couple other questions for you. Um, can you kind of jump into what we've talked about it some, but just maybe kind of overview again, kind of what all goes into a junior tournament and making it work because, um, you know, this podcast is obviously for junior golfers, for families, for coaches that are out there really. I mean, anybody that's interested in junior golf and, I think more so I'm asking this question really just from kind of an appreciation standpoint, just to give them, you know, an idea, um, something to appreciate kind of what all goes into running and operating and setting an event up, whether it be from contacting the host course to, you know, the host hotels to, um, you know, it sounds like you guys, obviously they schedule their practice rounds with, with those courses directly, but you know, during the tournament itself, you know, can you jump into that stuff a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, right from the beginning, you're looking at, you know, the best location and the best course, right. You want to find, uh, in the right time of the season as well. So, um, you're looking at those things most importantly from the beginning, um, the, the next thing you kind of knock out is what date works the well, the, the best for the course. So um, just creating that relationship with the course and, um, you know, showing them what, what you want to do when you come in. And so um, nailing down the tee times, right? So you got to find out what tea t- there's a lot of courses that are that, you know, they don't want to give up their times to their members. So it's, it's not easy booking some of these courses, right? Sure. Um, you know, we have late tea time sometimes because they need to accommodate the members. So um, there's a lot of admin stuff that goes into it beforehand, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
so once you get the course locked down, you get your times, the dates locked down. You obviously uh, you're posting that on your website and stuff um, to get to get players uh, out to those events. But um, and, and then leading up to the events, you know, you're not sure how big your field size is going to be. So there's a lot of uh, communication between you and the course uh, as far as field size goes, and making mm-hmm. sure you get the right tee times uh, blocked out because you don't want to lose any of their business. Um, if you show up with 40 players when you said you were going to have 90, um, right. so there's a, a lot on the business aspect. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of op stuff that we put into the event, right? So we come in, uh, we need the course marked. If it's not marked, we need to mark it. Um, we need to communicate with the superintendent and the head pro about, uh, the whole locations. Like I said, you go out, you mark the whole location. So we train our interns how to find good hole locations um, for each day of the event. We go out, we mark it, uh, we walk off how many paces it is. That way, when the players get it on their phones or on a paper, if it's a different tour, you know they know how many paces from the front and from the right side, let's say, that the hole location is. Okay. Um, we go out and we set up all the yardages. So we uh, specifically physically go out and find our own yardage. So what that means is, um, when we're out there setting up, we have the 150 yard marker. Um, and then just to make it easy, say we're trying to find uh, 300 yards for this age uh, division for this, you know, first hole, let's say. So uh, we have to break the hole down. Um, so we'll go to the tee box. We have a range finder. We have the person sitting out in the fairway, of the, the 150 yard marker, and we shoot and we try to find the other 150 yards that way we know where to set our tee. So we do that for each division for each hole. Um, So our setup days are, are pretty busy uh, when we go out and knock that out. But like I said, we're, we're making sure we don't waste anyone's time. We can't play an event for, let's say the older boys, they typically play at 6,700 yards, 6,750. Right. Uh, We're not going to have the course playing 6,400 because if a college coach is looking at that, um, when it could have played 67, they're not going to be like, you know, why did they, this is like a waste of time for the players going out and playing an event. That's not even at the required yardage. Yeah. Right. Um, that makes sense. So very important for us to, to get that right. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have a lot of signage as most tours probably do. I have a lot of signage they put out, uh, and just making sure that, uh, the players are, are coming to a course that's ready. Um, you know, making sure we, we set the pairings, um, like I talked about a little bit, um, making sure that all the tee times are correct. We send those out and um, all, all the stuff, the notice to competitor. So, you know, say we're out on the course, the tournament director will look around and, and see if there's anything unfair that needs to be marked, like uh, ground under repair or, um, you know, this past weekend we had, you know, some power lines that, that crossed a hole on the course. So, you got to put that on the notice to competitors that, Hey, if your ball um, by the USGA rules, if your ball hits that power line, it's uh, it technically does not count and you get to replay that shot. Okay. So just a lot of stuff, like I said, just making sure that the, the players are coming uh, and ready to play uh, a golf course, a good golf course and, and have a good event. Um, That's, you know, what we're there for. And then obviously afterwards we're making sure that the rankings are submitted um, you know, the golf course was satisfied with the event, um, and all the players and families were satisfied with the event as well. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Um, yeah, you know, I know there's, can be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of families out there that, that do understand that there's a lot that don't. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to kind of just hear everything that goes into it. Cause it's a, it's a serious operation. You know, it's not just showing up at the golf course and passing out scorecards and, you know, sending them on to the tee box. You know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Uh, we, we have a great internship program. Uh, they work hard for us. Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, from Thursday to Sunday, sometimes we'll put in over 50 hours. So it's, uh, they're long days, but, um, like I said, it's, it's worth it seeing these kids out here play and, and, uh, compete against each other. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, I mean, let's wrap it up. Let's, uh, I got one more question for you. Just kind of, um, want to get your advice, you know, hopefully there's some parents that are listening and some players that are listening that, you know, just want to find the right tournaments. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, but you know, what's the best way to approach, you know, and just kind of a snapshot, what's the best way to approach just building your junior golf schedule? So, um, some of my advice would be, um, like I said, uh, you want to look at your rankings, right? You want to look at doing your homework, making sure that the event's going to be ranked. So, um, that's a big piece of it. Uh, we already talked about that a little bit. Um, I would say the second part is that some people may not know, and it's tough if you're living in Georgia and traveling to a big tournament in, you know, Minnesota, let's say, yeah. You want to make sure that the course is set up for you. Uh, I think some people um, don't realize, you know, some not every course is going to fit their game, right? Sure. So don't don't go playing an event that that might not fit your game and is just going to lead to bad scores. You obviously never know, but uh, I think that's one one thing that that people need to keep in mind. Um, if there's a you know a lot of holes that. Uh, you should hit a draw on, but your son or daughter can't hit a draw. They're they're yeah. probably going to struggle. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a a good piece of advice. Um. Again, you know, making sure that uh, you're making it worth it for you. Um. So the yardage, uh, the number of participants, um. You know, the location. Some some people can tie in a college visit on some of these tournament trips. Uh, so um, that's not a bad piece of advice as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, stuff doesn't really matter by the age, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can do all of those things regardless of the age group, even the college visits. I mean, you know, going to a college campus at 12, 13, just to kind of see what it's like, you know, there's no pressure at that point in your golf career or academics to, you know, have to make any types of decisions, but just starting to get familiar with what that landscape looks like a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can definitely turn a, a, a small little trip into uh, something a lot bigger. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, brother, I appreciate it. Um, that's all I got for you. Yeah, this was, uh, this was fun, man. I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your next uh, couple of, couple of guests. Yeah, thanks. Um, and watching this grow, hopefully. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. So we'll keep pushing. I appreciate you helping me kick this thing off. First episode in the books. So uh, thanks a lot, brother. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Take care. I will right, we'll see you.